I want to talk about a scenario. Let's say that this scenario is that you weren't real sure what you wanted to do when you grew up. And so you stumbled your way through grade school and junior high, and perhaps mom and dad had a business and you helped out in the business on the weekends and, and when you weren't playing sports or whatever it might be. And off to college you go, that was important to your mom and dad. And so you continue to work on your education and you just kind of picked a degree in business or something similar to that. And you weren't real sure what you wanted to do when you grew up. But worst case scenario, I can work for mom and dad after I graduate college. And next thing you know, you found yourself in the business and perhaps you continued on in that business for years and years and, and actually found that you like the business and you love the business and it's your family's business and you love it. And perhaps you work with your siblings or perhaps you, you work with all kinds of family and Tension is building because one thing that no one is talking about is how are we going to transition this business someday? How are we going to continue on the business after mom and dad don't want to work anymore? Or perhaps what if mom and dad have already stopped working and you're not sure what to do? How do I bring up that conversation? How do I tell them that this business that they had started, they, they haven't even built it for the last five or 10 years or 15 years maybe. And I have been doing all the work or my siblings have been doing all the work or, or perhaps they have done a lot of the work, but haven't been involved in several years. How do you have that conversation? How do you bring that up? Well, our guest today, Ricky Victorio, is an expert at this. Ricky has been coaching and consulting family businesses for over 25 years. Ricky has worked with hundreds of families that have had this exact situation happening. Perhaps you don't have that clear of communication like you might want. She sits in between mom and dad and the child. She sits in between grandma and grandpa and the child and the grandchild. She sits in between all of these family members, helping them to have these constructive, profitable conversations where everyone can get these things out on the table that they want to talk about. And not only that, but she constructs a creative way that perhaps there are ways that all the siblings can uh, have this succession and the parents can have the succession and, and all the things can work out in the end. And she works with families in that capacity. So if you've ever had that realization that you need to talk to your parents about this, or perhaps you, uh, upon listening to this, think, well, maybe I should start thinking about that. This episode is for you with Ricky Victoria. Hello and welcome to the Better Business Podcast, the podcast that helps you improve your family-owned retail business. My name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner, and with the things I've learned and talk about on the show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. My guest today is Ricky Victorio. She is a master certified coach. I didn't even know this was a thing until I talked to her. And 
She is also the president and co-founder of Victorio Consulting. She coaches individuals, executives, family businesses, and management teams through transitions of leadership and career change. Since 1994, Ricky has been providing coaching, communication, leadership, and teamwork training programs to individuals and organizations across the country. Her ability to pinpoint challenges, uncover opportunities, and coach leaders and their teams to higher levels of collaboration and innovative thinking has generated a significant impact on many businesses. Ricky, our topic today is secession planning and not in the boring financial CFO lingo that a lot of people would initially think of in secession planning. We want to talk about the personalities behind secession planning, the tough conversations, and some of the hard challenges that people face with the anxiety-driven um, you know, conversations and meetings that go around secession planning. On the, on the, I guess, initial reaction from you, talk about some of the big do-nots do you see with uh, secession planning? What are a lot of the failures that people might have behind secession planning that, especially from the uh, child's perspective, I would imagine uh, listening to this podcast will probably be more kids than there are, uh, as you referred to them earlier, first generation. Um, there's a, probably a lot more second or third or fourth generation people listening to this than first. What What does a child do wrong or a niece or nephew or something like that in approaching this topic? Thank you for having me on the program. This is really fun getting to know you. Of Steve. course. Um, I have one little correction. It's succession planning. Succession planning actually is the separation, like secession, seceding from another country, seceding, right? If you think about it, okay. succession, we're really focusing on success, right? So succession like planning is going forward into the next generation and keeping the continuity of the business going. And we're planning for success. And I think that's my perspective holistically about the whole thing is, let's say you are going to go on a safari and you've never been on a safari before. And we're going to go into the Amazon jungle, maybe. And it's kind of like succession. It's crazy. There's all kinds of tar pits and snakes and tigers and scary things that could get in your way and keep you from getting across the jungle. Well, that's what succession planning is like. There's so many pitfalls and things that can surprise you that if you if you don't have a guide, you're really that's the worst mistake you can make is trying to do it on your own because it's very it is complicated and I love it because from a coaching perspective, it is the most complicated coaching puzzle there is because there's multiple players involved and multiple generations involved, as well as the very delicate balance of family and business, right? So mm. you can't run a family like a business and you can't run a business like a family. <laughs> right. But they are mixed yeah. up. And I, you know, and I live it too, because, you know, I am a small family business with my husband and my daughter. Now we are not as complicated, but I have clients that are small, three and four people. And then clients that have hundreds or a thousand 
people, right? It just depends on their business. So when you talk about pitfalls or what are some of the common mistakes, I think the biggest one is thinking that you can do it intuitively and that, well, Mm. our relationship is great. He's my dad. I'm his son. We get along great. When you step into the business arena, it's going to get tested in a whole different way. So one of the biggest mistakes is to assume that we don't need to talk about it and design our expectations for each other, how we're going to be when we're working together separately from how do we be when we're family. So the need for conversations, if you skip having those conversations before you step into the working relationship, you're most certainly setting yourself up for some challenges. And you may navigate through them. uh, And a guide can help you sidestep them or even avoid them if you start early enough. Many times, though, it's just kind of like alternative medicine. My husband's an acupuncturist. And people don't usually come to him. And he's not Chinese, but he does acupuncture. And people come to him when they've exhausted everything else. Instead of going for a simple holistic, Mm. using herbs, get some massage, get a needle here and there to open up the energy, they wait until they've exhausted everything else and then they go to him and then Mm. they get better. Sometimes people have tried everything else before they come to me. (laughs) And then they say, we're almost falling apart help. Now that's the harder job. Uh, I, I have a cape. I just not wearing it today. Uh, (laughs) so it's easier. It's really easier if a family says, Hey, we're bringing our kids in. We want to bring our kids in. We want to prepare and, uh, do this right. Will you help us onboard? our son or daughter, or they've been working with us long enough that that we know it's going to work and it's a career and we want to set them up. So it's, it's, of course, I think easier when you can plan for what could go wrong and have a way to avoid it. But sometimes a family needs to know, yeah, we went through that. Now we know why we're investing in coaching. I mean, it does help to know that um, we don't want to have that happen again. Many times, a second generation business owner is the one who hires me to bring in the third generation because they went through hell and high water with their parent and they don't want to repeat that experience with their kids. So there's either some kind of learning So you asked a specific question. What's the biggest mistake? A, I'm going to say, I don't like to call them kids because usually you're in your 20s or 30s when you're coming to work and you're an adult. (laughs) So I I long called G1, G2, G3, and many times I'm working with G2 and G3. So let's just say G2 for simple, founder, and the next generation. The biggest mistake a G2 can make is to assume that they're that they know their parent when they're working when they're their work self Mm. and that your relationship is going to be the same when you're an employee of your i'm gonna of your father 
for your mother. And to assume that the allowances your parents will give you because they love you and support you will work in the workplace. Mm. That is deadly for a, a successor generation coming in because the employees will judge you if you're getting allowances, if you're getting, you know, there's more leeway for you. And if your father's paving the way for you and you're taking the elevator instead of the stairs, there's no better way to get to the top than take the stairs. You know, and I so think, let me ask yeah. you this. When you said when you said that, you know, it, that resonated so much with me when you said that there's things that you can get by with in a family or a family setting that you can't get by with a business. Um, I, I think I, the first thing that popped in my mind was when friends try to be roommates. There's little there's little things that kind of annoy you with your buddy or whatever, but you hang out for an evening and then you're separated. But when you become roommates, you now live together and those little things can become things that you can't get past. And without communication, um, like you had mentioned, there is things that become very big things and blow up and feelings get hurt. You know, I think of that with a business, there's a pressure cooker on a business that some oftentimes you can't escape. So, you know, if it's something that just kind of annoys you with your mom or whatever, after you move out of the house or, you know, you've, that relationship has changed. There's a lot of things that, Oh, that's just mom or that's just dad or whatever that, but when you're in a business and well, my paycheck's on the line, their paycheck's on the, you know, there's a lot more pressure and you can't escape it because it's, it's all day. And sometimes it's all night, you know, you might still live with them or live close with them or whatever. So I, I resonated so much with that. Um, one thing I was going to ask you though, is what if we even take a step back farther? I, I know, um, several business owners that have a problem me and my parents have always had a great uh, two-way path of communication. I'm, you know, I would like to know more about this. I want to talk about this or whatever. But there's a lot of business owner friends that I have um, or have known over the years that don't even have that communication. How do you even, mm -hmm. you know, you had said, mentioned bringing up like, hey, we need somebody to talk, you know, with through a few things with us. How do you even bring that up? Because a lot of people don't, you know, they might not even have any intention of selling the business or they don't maybe don't want to work there their whole life. Or, you know, how do you even bring up, hey, we don't have good communication? Well, that's usually how I get brought in is because somebody has brought it up and there's been an explosion or a problem or a falling out. I can remember one time um, a son was so upset he quit and he left mm. the business. And he moved. The father then came to wow. me. He was in. He was recommended to talk, uh, come to me and talk to me. And I said, "So, what do you want most?" And he said, "I always dreamed of my son working with me and taking over the business." And I said, "Well, did you ever tell him that?" And he said, "No, I didn't want to put pressure on him. I I didn't want him to feel like he had to." And I said, okay, so why don't you let me go? I had to travel at that time, fly down to, uh, to him and, and meet with him. And let me spend some time with him and find out what is he feeling? What is he thinking? Here's the thing about communication. One of the first things when I went to meet with the son, 
And he was quite impressed his dad sent somebody down to talk to him in the first place. I said, so what, <laughs> what do you really want? He said, well, more than anything else in the world. And he started to tear up. I always dreamed I'd be working next to my dad and I would take it over when he wanted to retire. And I said, so why wow. are you here? He said, because I, I didn't, my dad never asked me. So I thought he didn't want me and I didn't want him to feel obligated. Hmm. So wow. I said, so you two want the same thing, but you're behaving oppositely. So that began sure. a beautiful coaching environment where I'm happy to say not only did son move back with wife and grandkids and that made grandma happy too, uh, is he did step in working side by side. What we crafted, this is the communication piece, is we designed expectations and boundaries so that when you work mm. together, it's hard to then be together all the time. You need to have your own private time. And, um, but permissions, how they were going to be together at work, what the expectations were, what their signals would be when something's going wrong because they didn't want to telegraph it to everybody else. So how they would be able to support each other, um, agreeing to keep differences of opinion between each other and not in front of the management team. And just simple things. Um, and then the boundaries for, I want you to know that there are times I, I don't want to be talking business when we're with our family and, you know, with the kids and birthday parties should be birthday parties and not where you take me aside and talk about stock or something like that. And that's mm. you know, something happening like that. So by designing it differently from the way they had done it before, which was intuitive, he had a much more successful re-entry smoother. Uh, he had a path, a roadmap we designed that came out of the communication because it's really important for the next generation to know, well, where am I going? Am I going to just be like your shadow for my whole career? Right. I don't believe in sure. shadowing. I, I don't believe in shadowing. So I don't, did, did that answer your question about communication? It's you have to teach, take each family where they are. Sometimes it's yeah. communicating to their kids in a family council what they're thinking about before their kids go to college. So the kids can say, oh, you're inviting us to get educated, to come into the business. And here's a roadmap. And these are the different careers you could have in our business. If you start young, it's really exciting. Um, but I had another family who said, we've got four MBAs. Our kids are all MBAs and none of them come back to the business. What did we miss? And I said, well, did you invite them? <laughs> Well, no. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, so that one thing, another thing that I think oftentimes comes up, which we said that this conversation is not necessarily going to be about that, but um, is this idea. I think a lot of kids are, or G2s or G3s, as you call them, um, are scared of bringing this topic up because, well, money's involved mm -hmm. and then everybody gets frustrated. Do you find, and, and be transparent if, if that is the case, because I feel like in a lot of cases that is a problem. Um, but do you th find that that is oftentimes one of the 
biggest issues or is there usually some sort of personality problem that's at the helm of this or some deep rooted, you know, other issue that has to do with personalities or do a lot of G2s or G3s not want to bring this up because there really is a financial strain or burden or something like that? Well, it's a combination. I mean, I'm just thinking about conversations I've had even with my daughter. She's grown up in the business of working with us. And um, whenever she's wanted to push herself forward, I'm, I've always been so happy, but she's always been really nervous. And she's nervous about presuming. Mm. Uh, she doesn't mm. want to seem like she's trying to, you know, and I've heard this, uh, you know, uh, multiple times with clients. We can't presume and yet the, the conversation of money, this isn't allowance now. This is professional pay. If you're creating a role for your child for G2, then you're carving out new monies. If a G2 is coming in and taking a role that already exists, there usually isn't so much um, wiggle room in how we pay, right? Because you've got Sure. A certain amount. It's not fair to pay more. Um, here's something, too, is that parents are always going to want to make sure their kids are okay and their grandkids are okay. So what I've always said is that, look, you can't pay your son more than anybody else is making for this role. You have to pay him what is fair to the other employees. But it doesn't stop you as parents of contributing to his family in another way, but don't do it through his salary. You see what I mean? You have to, mm. it's going to sure. not go well with other employees. If you're making, let's say you're make, you're working with your, your parents. And if you make double the income that somebody who works next to you is because you're their son, it doesn't mean mm. they can't be generous and contribute to your kid's private school or horseback riding lessons or, you know, but not through your salary. Yeah. And that's really important. Um, I think the conversation of worth becomes really difficult for the child, you know, G2, not child, you're adults, but um, because how you pay me also tells me how you value me. And so mm -hmm. if you don't pay me so I can earn a good living, I have to go somewhere else, but you're going to, you know, it's, am I an indentured servant? You know, it's so hard and uh, kids get afraid that their parents are going to think that they're getting into their business. Right. And some parents are more transparent about their financial situation. And many, many family businesses, the founders are living out of that business. So one of the mm -hmm. things we have to do is get them not living out of their business, paying themselves properly in a way so that they can be transparent and pass it along. It becomes easier. It's a hard money is always hard. But do you think do you think that that's the same problem that G2s and G3s have with bringing up um perhaps they want to take over the business mm -hmm. or they want to buy the business or they want to do that. I I've literally heard that exact conversation before. Like you're mentioning, I don't want to tell my dad, I want him out of the business because he's going to be upset that he, that I think he doesn't, he's not worth this anymore okay. or he's not worth that. You know, that exact same mindset applies with a G2 or G3 to a parent or a grandparent because 
they don't want to have that conversation like, hey, you're not doing much in the business anymore. And um, or, you know, our deal that we originally did isn't as good for me anymore as it used to be or whatever that might be. Um, but I think that that doesn't that same uh, psychology apply the reverse way too. Yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, a succession and, you know, mom, dad, when are you going to retire? It can be awkward, but sometimes parents are sure. saying, when are you going to be ready so I can retire? And um, so here's where coaching really relieves some of that stress. So we don't have to hit at it like a hard wall is um, I work with both generations to transfer over operational control to the next generation, which as they take on more control, their income goes up. And that's when I start initiating conversation of transferring stock so that they have some skin in the game and they can reap the rewards of having dividends if they have that uh, and control. And if you get it started early where the growth in the company and responsibility is also starting to transfer responsibility and stock ownership, it becomes a gradual thing that is a happy day when parents become the minority shareholder, you know, and there are mm -hmm. also some wonderful stock redemption programs that make it so, e so much easier for a small family business to transfer stock without spending a lot of money. And, you know, I, I learned about it from an attorney who does it all the time. And he calls me in to coach uh, the families while we're going through it. So I've had the benefit of watching those programs, they usually take five or six years. So by the time you get to a certain place, if you're doing it right, the conversation's already being had. You can't try to force mm -hmm. it all at once, but you have to think about the trickle effect and building of trust, competency. Parents will turn over the running of the business when competency, when they feel comfortable that their son or daughter, and I'm watching this with a company right now, that I'm working with is son and daughter-in-law have been running the business for about 10 years, but they've been employees. So as yeah. I'm now working with them and we're having conversations, I could raise, so how are you planning to start transferring stock to them? It's really important. And so the advisor can plant, make it easier. It's really hard for son to say, when are you going to start giving me stock? But if the advisor says I it's see. time, so now they can. That's why a third party is so, so vital. helpful. So they're actively, it's two families um, with their kids. And also I'm suggesting that those who are not op, not in the business should be getting non-business stock or, you know, inheritance or non-voting stock, mm. you know, because they don't understand how the business is being run. And once the parents are not around to uh, hold the center, the non-involved the, the non siblings are going to start challenging the person who's running the business when they want to grow the business. And they say, well, this year we're not going to have as much dividends because I need to build another barn or another thing, you know, or buy some more land. And they're like, well, we want our money. And, mm. the, you know, so we, we can preclude those arguments by the way inheritance is structured so that, you know, the non-involved kids could be getting rent 
for the product, for the land, while the operator sibling has the business and owns some of the land too, but is paying rent. Now, then he can make all the investments he wants to grow the business and, and his siblings will be happy with their steady rent payments. You see how that works? That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. So give me a realistic timeline from, let's say somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, I they've been bitter uh, toward their parent and they've been wanting to bring this up, but they just don't have mm -hmm. the uh, courage to bring it up or they don't have the, you know, um, the opportunity to have this conversation with their parent and um, they're listening to this and they're like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have that conversation. And um, they reach out to you or they want to have that conversation naturally beforehand mm -hmm. or something um, and just bring up the thought of, Hey, what if we brought somebody in a third party, blah, blah, blah. Walk me through a realistic timeline from somebody listening to this episode mm -hmm. to they want to buy the business or they want to take over the business. I mean, these things take years, right? I mean, yeah. this isn't something that happens overnight or, or, or no, it, it doesn't. No, I mean, <laughs> no, uh, unless something catastrophic happens and we don't want that. Of course, right? sure. So there's always two plans. There's the contingency uh, emergency plan and then there's a long-term plan. And sometimes what we find is if I can't get a family to think about long-term planning, I say, okay, so what do we do if something happens tomorrow? They know exactly mm. what they would do. And I said, let's make that the plan for now. And that mm. always seems to work. But what's the timeline? Someone uh, listening to this program can reach out to me and uh, schedule or they can go on my website and there's a schedule of free consultation, a 30-minute consult. They can talk to me about it and tell me what they want to achieve and what they're feeling. And I would say, let's schedule, a let's see if your parents will have a consultation with me. And we can talk about what's going on before we ever have any kind of engagement. And then what I do is I, I do an assessment. If they say, okay, we're not sure, but we're willing to learn. I'll say, so let's do a learning project. And I'm going to do some personality styles assessment. I'm going to meet with all of you and kind of uh get all get you to dump what you're thinking about Get more information right and sure. i might want to meet with a couple of key employees to see what they how they observe the business as well as the family dynamic if it's big enough if it's not i just do the families and then we'll all come back together and i'll say hey and this is and in that time i spend about two hours with each person and in that time they learn about themselves um they feel heard um, I might have planted a seed or two while we talked. There's some trust that's established. And when we come back, uh, we'll all come back together and I'll say, this is what I learned. And I'll teach them about their family dynamic using that pro those personality styles. And, they'll, and I'll say, this is where you might be bumping heads and this is where you're really getting along well. And here's some of the opportunities that I heard that were common denominators. Mm -hmm. So I look to find common ground with the family of where are they aligned in what are our strengths and where do we need help? And I say, so if we were to move forward, why don't we start working on communication, on creating um, a, a vision of 
direction, you know, uh, and maybe a roadmap for development or something like that. So depending on what I hear. And then we just start in. I don't try to get them to eat the whole elephant, but we start first on communication, usually in defining roles. From that point on, I t it depends where the G2 is in their, in their maturation in the business. But I've seen, mm. you know, a, a buyouts begin within, you know, a couple, two to three years. One that's, I've been working with them just under two years and they're, they're doing some transfer. And that's an easier sure. way to do a buyout. You do initial, you'd like, you plant a seed with some, a, a gifting, and then that money can keep getting rolled back in and, and buying more stock as they go. Um, depending on what kind of buyout plan, it can take five to 10 years usually to execute that buyout. I have a client that they just completed that a couple of years ago and um, between four kids and they're very, very proud that they were able to do this. So um, it's a journey. It's, it's not a sure. race, but I think yeah. the key is if everybody can feel that we're making progress and mom and dad are starting right. to feel they have more free time. It starts alleviating the pressure is what I was, you yes. know, okay. I see it. I see an end goal. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And G2 gets is excited because they can see that they have more control and the trust. It really takes trust and competency. So having, sure. having a coach when it gets tough and there are always those bumps to help them understand, debrief, and then move forward. That's what I was doing this morning with the father and son because they had a big bump last week. And yet mm. they had a mechanism already in place of how to apologize. And now we were debriefing it to talk about how can we avoid that from happening again? So having that coach advisor so is really important. Let me ask you this. What about uh, this hasn't been the case in, in my business, but I, I have seen this in other businesses. Um, what if there's multiple siblings and they all want to continue on with the business, um, but maybe the siblings understand the fact of, yeah, we can't work together or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they, they know that it wouldn't be a good relationship or they know it, maybe it won't financially support be beneficial to both of us or yeah or something similar to that but um so there's kind of like a some sort of stalemate i guess if you will have you ever seen something like that and and how do you work through that uh, yes i have seen it a number of times and um again starting with self-awareness and also an awareness of who else is in the room depending on the company Sometimes, like this one that had the four kids, um, it would have been very easy for them to be competitive where there was just, you know, dad was running the business, right? He didn't, his siblings didn't yeah. go into the business with him. He was G2. But um, I had an idea with them because of their different personalities and interests. We had different on-ramps for each of the siblings. So one went into marketing and uh Another one went into 
uh, front end sales. The other one went in into back end service. It was a car dealership, but I put them in different sure. areas. And at first they're like, yeah, but we want to be, and I said, well, we can rotate you. And they all had to go to school and learn different things and work somewhere else first. But by having different on-ramps, they have developed this wonderful triad of a partnership so they can feel that they have work-life balance, which dad didn't have much of because they're married and have kids. Mm. So they're now co-owning, the three of them. Each one is really in charge of their, their divisions. And, and, and one of them is really gonna, is the dealer operator, right? But they work in partnership. And because they have that, they're not vying for control because they know that each one of them has their back so that they can have time with their families. The, I've seen it other in other ways of identifying that, are you really a match? Is there a place for you in this company? And if not, let's have the family help you get to where you want to go. Sometimes we have a family transition uh, out. Yeah. yeah, we have kids who are very unhappy working in the business, but they're doing it because that's what their dad or mom wants them to do. And they don't know what else to do. And so that's where that career coaching guidance of, well, let's design, let's, let's look and see what you're best suited for. And then maybe dad will help you start a business or we'll get you transitioned over there. And sometimes we have to agree that the chemistry that it's not it's going to destroy the family if we work together and i've seen that where if we work together we fight so sure. it's coaching and helping people make different choices um and sometimes if we can't get people to agree and i have seen this the decision is then, you know, the best thing to do is when we're ready to retire, we will sell the business and you'll each have your inheritance and we'll help you start your own businesses. And I've seen that work because my perspective and the clients I work with, family is first. So if the business is not good for the family, the best succession plan can be sale. Mm -hmm. If they're going to argue and fight, it's not what legacy are you leaving? Right. So uh, family I have, it's a small family and none of the kids really wanted to run it. But they, you know, we tried one and then it was just problems and they couldn't all be there together. And so parents are happy to keep running it because they love it. And we hired good, strong hmm. people that are not family to be their managers. And they are planning, they're positioning it for sale and kids will probably continue to own the land because it's a farm. Wow. And yeah. um, so every family, there is a perfect plan, but there's no perfect plan for every family. Oh, I just made that up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll quote that, put that on your, uh, put that on your uh, social media. Well, Ricky, in, in preparation for my final question, I just want to thank you for um, the advice today. And um, this is a conversation that hits hits so close to home. Like I said, um, before we started recording, I've always had an incredible relationship with my parents and business has never 
come in between us, but um, I, I have seen this uh, weigh on people mentally mm. and emotionally, and I've seen it, you know, for myself, um, different people that it's really affected their personal relationship with their um, family members. So I know that this can really hit home. And if you are interested in reaching out to Ricky, I'll have all of her contact information in the show notes of this um, podcast. Um, but Ricky, my, my final question, I, I always like to ask people that with the years of knowledge that they have, I typically have very um, experienced people in, in their fields. With the, the years of knowledge that you have working with probably hundreds of families mm -hmm. at this point, mm -hmm. um, having all different kinds of personalities, dynamics, and all of the things that you have done in your, your years of improv and uh, different things like that that we didn't even get into, um, and I'm frustrated now, I just not thought about. Uh, but all of this experience that you have if you had to boil it down and you were talking to somebody on this podcast that is really struggling with this topic right now and give them one piece of advice, what would that be? One piece and of And you advice. can't hit me with a joke, you old comedian no. or former comedian, I guess. Old would be, that would be an age, I guess, former comedian. Ageist thing, yes. Uh, you know. That's right. I... I think ask for help. I mean, it's, mm. this is not a solo show. It takes a community to make this happen. And it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to ask for help, get coaching, get use, have the experts help you. I've seen too many people try to go it alone and they have ego about it or, you know, even business owners, I've always been in charge. We're going to do it my way. And the thing is, is that this is a really fluid environment. And this is why I think I'm good at it from being in the improvisation where you really have to stay present. You have to build upon and collaborate with everyone. If there's, if there are winners, then there are losers. So what we're looking for is not, we're looking not only for the win-win, but I'm going for the win-win-win. It's the magic collaborative solution that everybody feels is, oh my God, that's so simple. It's perfect, right? It, mm. You have to be, but it takes a little bit longer to figure that out. But once it, once it shows up, everybody goes, that's so simple. That's so beautiful. Why do we have to pay you so much to figure that out? <laughs> because if you could have mm. figured it out, you you know you would have done it by now. So it, I think the, that if I bottom line it is, don't go it alone because it will cost you in more ways. In relationships, it'll cost you in money. It'll cost you in aggravation. It can it'll distract you from your business. And remember, we didn't even talk about. The toll succession takes, especially if there's challenges on your employees and your management team, mm -hmm. it's distracting oh, yeah. and it's morale busting and you will lose people. So the cost is huge. And so the, in, the investment you make to get help with people who know how to do this and I have, I've worked with hundreds of families. And so every family is unique. And I like to say, I am business agnostic. 
I've worked in all kinds of businesses from wealth management firms to farms and manufacturing. People, I'm people specific, and the problems we see are the same. It's just different environments because human beings, we have a certain way that we rev and we have to understand our personalities and who's involved. There needs to be some humility from all because no one is going to be the winner because if we have losers, we didn't succeed. Mm. Thousand percent. Ricky, thank you so much for being on. Um, I am encouraged and I'm, I'm almost excited. Like I want to go talk to a family <laughs> business about this now. So uh, thank Good. you so much. This has to be a rewarding, rewarding, uh, you know, career for you. And I'm sure you have a lot of uh, exciting moments working with family members. It can be the biggest blessing um, to have good communication and, and be able to work with family outside of outside of just the relationship that you have as a family, but also in business as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being on. You're welcome. It was really fun to be with you.